And I, I'm going to, I want to talk for just a few minutes. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can finish this tonight. I'm not a hundred percent positive. If I don't, I'll see you next Wednesday. But I want to talk about choosing kingdom culture. Isaiah 9, 6 says, for unto us, a child is born unto us. A son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father and the prince of peace. And listen to this and of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Father, let your word speak to us tonight. Let it elevate and lift the people of God in this place in Jesus mighty name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Oh, you may be seated. So we have been called, I think we all know this, to manifest the glorious kingdom of God that is within us. Jesus said it like this, the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation, but the kingdom of God is within you. It's, a, it, 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 it's somewhat, I, I, we're not going to say a, 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 a paradox, but while the kingdom of God operates within us and from within us, the parallels that often were used to teach us the principles of the kingdom are likened to an established earthly kingdom. Does that make sense? The disciples didn't really get a hold of it. They were, they were, they were initially at least firmly believing and anticipating and expecting, hoping that Jesus would just come and marshal an army together and in the ways that they were familiar with stop the oppression of the Roman government and establish his kingdom on the earth. And probably one of the strongest messages that he continued to speak to his disciples and then he would send them out in groups of two and three and speak the message through his disciples was the message of the kingdom of God being established here on the earth. Everybody say, the kingdom is within me. And that means something, because we're going to talk in just a few moments here about, about 10 things. I don't know if we'll get to all of them, but 10 things, 10 principles or 10 standards of the kingdom. Because it may not be a minute by minute situation, a day by day, although we're kind of living in a time right now where it, it, it almost seems to be that way. But it, but there there will most likely always be a confrontation in our lives between the principles and the standards of God's kingdom and then the way that we feel naturally led to go. The Bible says it like this, the carnal mind is at enmity with God. That means if God's way is this way, your natural inclination is always going to be to go that way. Until it is completely surrendered and yielded to the guiding and leading of the Holy Spirit. Yes? And, 
And, and so, so I wish it was true that when we get born again, when we get saved, even though the scripture tells us that we are transformed out of darkness into his marvelous light, we immediately become citizens of a kingdom from another world. Yes. But so much of the rest of us, we spend years and years and years of our life, the rest of us trying to catch up to that posture. Would you agree? Come on, you got to talk to me tonight. It, you'd agree that, that the development of our posture is a progressive thing. It happens in stages. And in Matthew chapter 19, beginning of verse 16, you remember the story of the rich young man that came to Jesus. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. It says it like this. Then a teenager approached Jesus and bowed before him, saying, Wonderful teacher, is there a good work that I have to do to obtain eternal life? And Jesus answered, First of all, why would you call me wonderful? God alone is wonderful. And why would you ask what good work you need to do? Keep the commandments and you will enter into the life of God. Which ones? He asked. And Jesus said, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, honor your father and mother, love those around you as you love yourself. The man says, but I've always obeyed every one of them without fail. What else do I lack? Jesus said to him, if you really want to be perfect, the word perfect there does not mean flawless or no room for improvement. It means complete. If you really want to accelerate this growth thing that you're asking me about, then, then go immediately and sell everything you own and give all your money to the poor and your treasure will be transferred into heaven. Then come back and follow me for the rest of your life. When the young man heard these words, he walked away angry for he was extremely wealthy. Because I think what happens is in life, there's these, for lack of a better word, we'll call them levels, all right? There is entry level. And, and that is obviously where, you know, we, we, as I mentioned a minute ago, we get transformed out of darkness into his marvelous light. The kingdom of God dwells within us. But at that level, what happens is many people just carry over attitudes, beliefs, and life conditioning into their spiritual life. Jesus gets added to the mix. This man was not adverse to following after Jesus. He was adverse to the level or the depth, the magnitude that Jesus gave him in answer to his own question. He was already one who, who lived the law. Clearly, if you keep all of those that Jesus threw back at him, he said, I've always kept those ever since I was a youth. Then you know this is a young man who had some passion for God. But that's where, and, the, and that's, that doesn't mean that that entry level is a bad thing or that's a bad way to be. It just means that one of the things that characterizes the health of a child of God is you never stop growing and you never stop moving and developing. Right? How many of y'all discovered 
through a process of time after you got saved that you still had thought processes and patterns and certain ways that were absolutely in contradiction to the law of God. And when they were, when they were revealed to you, we repent of those things. We surrender them to the word and to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we, we try to let ourselves catch up to this new creation or new creature that God has already made us to be. Yes. So collectively that, that is also what seems to happen. But, but the, the dangerous thing is that at this entry level, we're still calling it. Jesus becomes a part of your life conditioning, your carried over attitudes and beliefs. And the problem is this, Jesus doesn't mix well with anything. He's not a mixing kind of compound. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus doesn't mix with anything. It's either all or nothing. As we used to say growing up, if Jesus is not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. Jesus doesn't do very well coming into anybody's house and sharing the space with other guests. And so what happens is trying to make Jesus a part of the mix ends up establishing this compromised and deluded concept of who Jesus is. And then some people, you know, what, what they, this, this next level is they become more, they become thoughtful. They become aware of the, the things going on around them and the injustices of life and, and, and so forth. But yet they attempt to align themselves with kingdom principles by virtue of self-discipline and simple behavior modifications. Right. I mean, we're kind of we're, we're kind of going through that as a country right now. Right. I mean, we we we, we understand the a place of sensibility. I think at least to a degree, we understand this place of sensibility that we should all be. We all want to be in this place where we honor one another and we love people, period. And so and so until until we, we get to that point where we are completely surrendered to the authority and the power of the kingdom of God that is within you. It's not new. Remember when Paul said these words to the church of Galatia? He called them foolish. He said, you foolish Galatians. How in the world do you think that after having begun in the spirit... Or it was the spirit of God that called you into this kingdom. How is it that you now think you can be perfected by the flesh? Somebody say amen. Legislation, agendas, protocols, even the most purest and in, in intention of desires can't make something that can only happen by virtue of the kingdom of God coming into rule. That's why we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's several ways, none of the ways to look at that phrase, none of which contradict the other. 
Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we pray that your kingdom or the rule, the government of God. That's what we're talking about. Are you guys with me? Oftentimes that uh, Jesus would come in and, and he would talk about, you know, casting out devils by the finger of God and, and, and all different expressions. But every, when he's talking about the kingdom of God, he's talking about the government or the rule or the authority of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If your kingdom manifests, then your will becomes the norm. Yes? And the will of God, on the other hand, cannot be established and cannot be done if your kingdom does not come. So my point is this. Our prayers. Well, let's get to the, 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 the third level. I want to just, I'm, I'm talking about the rest of my message tonight, but let me try to articulate it in a statement. So then we, we got past entry level. We got past the level of discipline and sheer willpower and just, you know, earnest want to, so to speak. But then there is the place where you are fully surrendered to God's kingdom and you understand that the regenerative power of the Holy Spirit is primarily trying to align you with the standards and the life and the protocols and the principles of his kingdom not just for goosebumps and to raise the hair on our neck and make us feel, you know, tingly in our spine when we have certain moments and we sing certain songs and what have you. The Holy Spirit has a, a purpose for operating within you and through you. And that is to somehow get us to the place where all of our own carryover ideas, our own beliefs and our own, you know, conditioning that all of that stuff that comes with us into the kingdom, that he begins to push it back to the entry where it came from. And so that you and I are in the purest possible sense of the word, we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Nothing worse than an ambassador going somewhere and then going rogue. We've seen some of that in recent months, have we not? Amen. Amen. Come on. Our prayers, our declarations, our celebrations should be kingdom centered, especially in a time like this. And I'm not trying to deal with the times, you know, right now. Uh, uh, I'm just talking about the kingdom. We're in a opportune moment. You know, I was reading, um, of course, now a lot of it's done through, you know, machinery and what have you. But the, the Federal Reserve for years and years and decades had professional counterfeit money detectors. And you would think so that they could spot it and so they could be, be you know, sharp at it, that they would, they would subject these counterfeit detectors, these people, to various forms and, and issues of, of counterfeit. Which is not at all what they did. They would sit them in rooms and give them pure, mint, crisp U.S. currency, blindfold them, and they would do nothing for thousands of hours, they said, but feel and smell the real thing. They wouldn't subject them to the counterfeit stuff. 
Because about the time you become familiar with one form of counterfeit, there's seven others popped up that you got to figure out. But what they would do is they would put them in these rooms and literally, they, they, they say for thousands of hours, I mean collectively, thousands of hours, they would do nothing but just feel, smell, and, and, and handle the real deal. So that when it, they, became, they became so familiar with legal, legitimate currency that any kind of counterfeit currency that would cross their fingers was immediately, blatantly obvious. I think that's what we're supposed to be doing when, when we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Right now is a time that we should be declaring the goodness of God. We should be preaching the laws and the principles and the standards of his kingdom. We should be celebrating the fact that we've been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And this, this world is not our home. This is a song used to say, we're just passing through. So we don't get, we don't stay on the, on the defense. We get proactive. We get intentional. Just as Jesus' disciples, when he sent them out in small groups, two at a time, three at a time, he never sent them out and said, you bring order to everything or you straighten up the stuff that's wrong or whatever. He sent them to cities and said, you go in there and you begin to proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand. Well, how do you do that? You heal the sick. You raise the dead. You open the blind eyes. You manifest the power of this glorious kingdom. If they receive you, then speak an extra blessing upon their household. If they don't, then just leave. Kind of like what he told Noah. A hundred years it took him to build the ark. But all God actually told Noah to do was just build the ark. Build a boat. The kingdom of God is the standard and the Holy Spirit is working to bring us into the kingdom. All else is secondary. Can somebody say amen? Here's why I'm saying this is vital. The standard is vital because it gives us a way to measure ourselves to see if the spirit of God is at work in us or are we trying to be perfected by our own efforts? Are we following the path of the Galatians when Paul said, how could you be so foolish after having begun, after having been so supernaturally transformed out of an old way, being rendered a new creation, being made a new creature in Christ Jesus? Clearly, no way that could happen but a supernatural work. What makes you think that you can grow and develop and come into completion by the flesh? And so when we understand the kingdom is not just this ethereal thing, like, oh, I'm part of the kingdom of God. There are rules and laws and characteristics and standards that identify the kingdom. And we got to know them because it's a blessing. It's our ability to measure ourselves and see if I'm depending upon the supernatural guiding and working and leading of the Holy Spirit. Or am I now trying to fulfill the will of God by sheer self-discipline? Yeah. So the standard helps us measure. So I'm going to give you that's seven, 17 minutes. I'm going to give you 10. I'm going to try. Everybody say, bring it. Number one, 
This kingdom has a head. Jesus is the head of the kingdom. Power and authority did not distance him or make him forget about the rest of the kingdom. He is not removed. He is not distant from us. All the power in heaven and earth and under the earth did not make him distant. He still remembers. The Bible says he was tempted at all points just like we were. In fact, the Bible says he is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. That's a little bit different than kingdoms of this world, is it not? You know, you give somebody a little bit of power, give them a little prestigious position, and it's very easy in this world to forget where you came from. I know we know of nobody like that in our lifetime, but it's possible that could happen. Can you see that much? (laughs) We have a king. Is the head of this kingdom who knows exactly how you feel. The Bible said he was tempted on all points. There is no predicament you could get yourself in. There's no temptation that you could be facing that Jesus, the king of this kingdom, has not already experienced it for himself and by himself and overcame it. And makes everything necessary, all the power necessary to overcome it available to you. This kingdom has a currency Wisdom is the currency of the kingdom that you and I are celebrating. Come on, somebody say wisdom. Proverbs 4, verse 5 and 6 says this, get wisdom. Tell somebody next to you, get wisdom. Look back and say, get understanding. Forget it not. Ne- you, okay, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not. Forsake who? Wisdom and understanding. And she shall preserve thee. Love her and she shall keep thee. Here's how that standard becomes a great measuring device for us. Because we are inclined because of the nature that we are still trying to move away from us. We're still trying to grow out of that. Our nature causes us to criticize everything we don't understand. Instead, we are to seek for understanding. And when you seek understanding, it shifts your perspective to one of intense appreciation and value. Wisdom is our currency. That's what the writer said. Chase after it. Get it. And all of your gaining and all of your getting, get understanding and get wisdom and don't let it go. Because wisdom will love you. Wisdom will keep you. It will preserve you. Third thing is in the kingdom of God, diversity is valued and celebrated. Listen carefully to what I said. It's valued and celebrated. There's very effective ways for that to be a measuring device for us, right? Because every person tends to gravitate towards the mirror. Most of us can't walk past a mirror without... That's not what I'm talking about. Every generation, every person tends to gravitate towards the mirror and it's part of our carnal nature. By the mirror simply meaning we are the most comfortable and we tend to gather and we tend to prefer in our carnal nature people that feel like us, look like us. (laughs) 
But God values uniqueness. And one of the most incredible things about the kingdom of God is, is because God so values diversity and uniqueness that coming to the cross of Jesus Christ doesn't mean that we surrender or obliterate our uniqueness in order to be in union with him. That is important. Listen carefully to me. In the kingdom of God, we don't tolerate differences. We value them. When we talk early about levels, right? I mean, think about the developmental levels in society. If you come from a place of real racial tension or bigotry and prejudice, thank God that God pulls you out of that. Yes? But the first place you land is probably not the place that you want to camp out forever. It's like this. It's like, listen, my wife and I are, we are as opposite as night and day. Everything I like, she don't like it. Everything she likes, I don't like it. Now, relax, don't go, ooh, they better go see Pastor Pace. We've been married 38 years. We're doing okay. My point is simply, you know, opposites kind of attract stuff, right? I'm, I'm, the, I'm a big picture guy. And I'm like, oh, Mary, you know, we're going to, God spoke this to me. God gave me this word. And we're going to like, we're going to reach the city and we're going to win souls or whatever. And Mary's like, uh-huh, okay, you need to go get a permit for that. Then we need insurance for that. And I'm going, ding. always raining on my parade. But the fact of the matter is, is I can remember, I can remember distinctly the day 20 something years ago, I was sitting in my office. I remember the moment when, when, when something in me shifted from tolerating our distinctions and differences to having incredible, an incredible sense of value for them. Because how many of y'all understand all you need is for somebody to save your hide a few times. I'd be just dreaming all of my life and never get anything done. Somebody has to come along with kind of a a juxtaposed skill set and put some legs to it. Yes. In the kingdom of God, listen, when we come to the place, I think, I think here's what confuses America. Here's what confuses Christians about coming to a place that we are right now where, where as pastor described, the scab seems to be pulled off of a wound that we realize was not healed Because you can't just come to a place of tolerance, even glad and and joyful and willing tolerance, and that be the final resting place. Because all it takes is for an event like we've experienced over the last several weeks in our country... And all of a sudden, tension and awkwardness and and, and a, a, a yuckiness kind of comes back to the surface... Because the kingdom of God is not a place where differences and uniquenesses are just tolerated. It's a place where it is incredibly valued. Right? Diversity is important enough to God. And I'm not just talking about ethnicities. I'm talking about all all considerations in life. Diversity is important enough to God that he was willing to look at Noah and his wife knowing beforehand this is the couple that's going to be responsible to repopulate the earth. 
Which means when everything else gets wiped out in the flood, I'm going to have to suspend natural genetic laws of DNA and what have you in order to repopulate the earth with diversity. Right? You know, one of the ways we know that is because one of the sons, him, his name means black face or dark skinned one. That's what his name means. That means that that's what his parents named him when he was a baby. That's not something that happened later. In other words, God, God stepped outside of the natural flow of, uh, uh, of, 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 of well, we say well, genetics or biology, the natural order of, 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 of things in the sense that, you know, uh, and you look a white mommy and a white daddy is probably going to have a white child. Black mommy, black daddy's probably going to have a black child. And, and, uh, you know, we repeat the scenarios a hundred different ways. But the point is, is if it was, if diversity was important enough to God that supernaturally he postured Noah and his wife to have a family that would be responsible for repopulating the earth with all of the ethnicities and the diversity we know of today, then it should help us to understand it's not just something that we learn to be okay with. It's something that we celebrate and we value you. And here's what I mean by that. It doesn't get to the point. Well, I so appreciate y'all. Can I take a minute or so? You're okay. I'm trying. This is, you know, uplifting. I can learn how to say uplifting, uplifting because, because I so appreciated what Andrew said, uh, Sunday, pastor Andrew, when he mentioned, um, he, he wasn't colorblind. I've, I've made that statement myself for, for a long time. And you say, well, what, what do you mean you're not colorblind? Because here's what happens if you don't see. See, when you are only to the place in life where you have come to glad or even, you know, joyful tolerance. You have had to discipline yourself to come to a place where you don't see distinctions and differences. But here's how that can hurt me, right? In other words, I, 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 people say, you know, I'm not, I, I'm colorblind. I don't see any, I just see, you know, all one. Here's a danger with that for me. And I think it's true with all of us. If I'm colorblind, then I become unaware of when I am in scenarios that lack diversity. I look around, I don't see if anybody's black, brown, white, it doesn't matter to me. I just, I know, but, but then what happens is that whole idea of we tend to gravitate to the mirror, that, that starts happening. When we get to that place of ex- extreme value and, 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 and appreciation and, and, and rejoicing, then the mindset is different than just you know, we're, 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 we're living together, working together, worship together, whatever. It's, it's, it's the reason why this church is so powerful is because sitting out in these seats is black, white, brown, and, and, and everything else. It's also, it means that I am a better man. In other words, I don't want to be in a situation that doesn't reflect diversity because I am being diminished as a result of that. So, so in the kingdom, we get intentional about stuff. 
Instead of just letting stuff evolve, we get intentional. That's what this church has done for decades. We get intentional about stuff. And as individuals, we should take our P's and Q's from the incredible way that our leader, our leader has done and, and has resulted in the church that you now see right now. Every nation, every tongue, every kindred. In the kingdom, we should, when we're, when we're really walking in that place of value, then we should be aware. We should have a sense knowing when there's not enough diversity in our own personal lives. You'd have to know my story. I mean, I, I grew up, I grew up as the only white guy in the neighborhood. 4,000, 4,000 population school, high school, three white guys in the whole school, two white girls. Mary was one of those white girls, my wife. Anybody else getting nervous when you look around and find yourself in a room where everybody looks like you? No? Okay, I'll move on. I don't I I I I I am a better man when everything around me reflects the kind of diversity and uniqueness that God enjoys and is so important to him. Come on, somebody give me an amen on that. Number four, the laws which govern the kingdom are often juxtapositions. To be exalted, you have to abase yourself. In other words, they don't make any sense to normal human logic and reasoning. If you want to receive, you got to give everything away. So in the kingdom, we don't let human logic overpower the principles of God. Knowing that oftentimes those principles will not make sense. And if the principles of God's kingdom, the the standards, the statutes we are supposed to follow, there's such intense war and conflict within us because of the battle over the truth of God's kingdom and then the way, the carnal, natural ways that we are bent and determined to do it in. It's a great way to measure whether we are being Submitted to and true to the standard of the kingdom or we're following logic. We're following what makes the most sense to our human mind. Number five, the kingdom has a language. We speak a specific language. It's the language of faith. Man, how great is it? How easy? How effective is it to measure ourselves by the language that comes out of our mouth? Paul said this, he said, we don't say, you know, who will bring Christ up from the, from the deep or who, who shall ascend? He said, we, we speak the language of faith, the word that's in our mouth. The language of faith we speak is that we call things that be not as though they are. We look at chaos and we don't reflect the severity of the chaos. We look at chaos and we declare what it can be and what it shall be before it is. That's the way it operates in the kingdom. God goes to Ezekiel, takes him to a valley of dry bones and says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? 
Well, only you know, Lord. Well, of course I know I'm the Lord. I'm asking you because you're going to have to speak the language of the kingdom of God in order to fulfill the will and the purpose of God. You can prophesy to the winds and you're going to prophesy to these bones. Come on, look at somebody next to you and say, we speak a language that's a language of faith. We don't speak like thermometers. We just hang on the wall and reflect the temperature around us. We don't just echo what media and what, you know, all the different arguments and whatever it is that we hear. We call things that be not as though they are. We look at dead things and we speak life back into dead things. We look at a graveyard full of dry bones. In other words, we look at situations that look beyond healing. They look beyond being salvaged. They look way past something good being able to come out of that. But the language that we speak has so much power to it that we don't just look and see something and then reflect what we see. We call things that be not as though they are. We speak life into dead situations. We speak healing where there is hurt. We speak wholeness where there is chaos. Come on, somebody say amen over that. The kingdom has a constitution. It's the law of God written upon our hearts. According to Romans 2. Number seven, the kingdom of God has weapons. We're not just standing around defenseless, saying nice things. We have weapons, but they're not carnal. They're not of the flesh. We fight, but we fight like no other man fights. We fight with humility. We fight with prayer. And we fight with serving. And we fight with love. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 tells us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Humility and prayer, that's our power. Number eight, the kingdom of God has a culture. It's the culture of love. Number nine, the kingdom has a government and it's one that is always pure. It's always always perfect. It's the rule of God that results in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And number 10, finally, the kingdom of God cannot be stopped, overrun, or diminished. Come on, I'll say it again. The kingdom of God cannot be stopped, cannot be overrun, cannot be diminished passage that we read as our text says the increase of his government and peace there will be no end come on we've survived things this year already that other generations haven't had to face in a whole decade and it's forced us to make some adjustments and it's put us in territory that's a little awkward and unfamiliar but can I tell you the church of Jesus Christ We are not going to be diminished by the things we are facing.
We're not going to be, uh, our, our power is not going to be diminished. Our presence, our influence is not going to be diminished. The kingdom of God, of, its, uh, of the, the increase of peace and rule, the rule of God, there will be no end. I finish with going back to number nine. We have a culture in the kingdom of God and it's a culture of love. I'm thankful for what the word gives us as ways to measure because we never want to be presumptuous and just assume that because we are born again children of God that we are completely and perfectly aligned with the standards, the laws, the protocol of his kingdom. we are supposed to and the kingdom of God has to be pressed into it has to be something that we seek after we seek for the rule the government the authority of God to be established not just through our life but first of all in our life and as his government and rule is established in our lives then it begins to manifest through our lives What a time right now. What a time. In stark contrast to the chaos that's going on around us. What a time to stand and declare the kingdom of God is nigh unto you. That's what Jesus said. Hey, you two, two at a time, three at a time, go into these cities. Just go in and pray for the sick. Raise the dead. Open the blinded eyes. Preach the good news of the, uh, of the kingdom. If they receive it, pronounce a blessing over them. Man, what a time to be declaring how good God is. Stand with me if you would, please. Hallelujah. song together for just a moment. Lift your hands if you if you will across the building. Intentional 
right now about, first of all, making sure that all of us in ourselves, our own ideas, our own beliefs, our own preconceived conditioning, that anything and everything that may exist within us that is not in perfect agreement and alignment with the kingdom of God, that it would be subservient, it would bow down, that it would... fall at the feet of the the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And that righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost would become the norm within us. I pray, God, that we can look at kingdom dynamics and the realities of the kingdom of God and measure our lives by those things. Anywhere we may have gotten comfortable where we shouldn't be comfortable. Anywhere that we've gotten lax where we should be aggressive and we should be intentional and proactive. I pray that the kingdom of God would be the standard that rules over everything and anything else in our lives. I pray for the people of God tonight, Lord, that fruit of our lives would, would, would rapidly move towards every observation in your word of the kingdom of God was associated with love and with power and righteousness. The dead being raised, sick being healed, blind eyes being opened. I pray God that the kingdom of God that we seek for that we press our way into. I pray your kingdom come. I don't want to stand back and just declare somewhere out there, thy kingdom come. God, manifest your kingdom over here, over there. But Lord, first of all, let the kingdom of God, let your rule, your authority, your government rule in and over my life, first of all, that you can then rule through my life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, oh, I love you, Jesus, I love you, thank you, Lord, oh, I love you, because you time. Let's sing it together. Oh, I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Because you first love me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you know, we're at that, our, our, we're, we're, we're guide, abiding by all of the social distancing guidelines and what have you, so we can't come forward. We're not there yet. Um, neither can we just hang out together in the lobby for an hour after service. But um, I want to bless you tonight.
Lift your hands as you declare this. Say, this week, the rest of it will be the best of it. Favor. Come on, declare it. Say, favor is manifesting in my life. People are opening doors, doing kind things, directing blessing my way in the name of Jesus. The favor of God and the blessing of God. That which I used to chase after is chasing me down this week. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen, amen.